Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. Today, we're going to be talking about Doge, Doge Day, and Dogecoin. Folks, <laughs> who wants to start? Because we got a lot to talk about, okay? Doge was supposed to hit a dollar. I have a bet going that if Doge hits a dollar, uh, I get to uh, I, I get to keep my beard, which I want because it, it, I love it. If Doge does not hit a dollar by May first, I have to shave the beard. May I like the beard. I me too. Jeez, I actually yeah. It's funny. At first, I didn't like the beard, but after yeah. like a few weeks, I've grown to like it. It's become <laughs> part of your brand now. I feel like watching you without the beard is just like we're not watching the real Kevin. <laughs> well, well, thanks for that. I appreciate that. I like, yeah, we made this bet on, it was uh, just a public, uh, it was a live stream like two or three days ago about okay. Dogecoin. And uh, we're like, we should, we should make a bet because uh, it was, Dogecoin was, was rocket shipping. I mean, the thing was like, it breaks 10, it breaks 20, it breaks 30, it breaks 40. Oh, it's going to the moon. Uh, and so it seemed like a no brainer. The thing was heading to a buck. But uh, what happened here? You know, Andre, why don't you get us started? What, what's your take? What's going on here? Yeah, so I actually briefly mentioned it in my video about Dogecoin. So we have this Doge Day, right? That was supposed to happen today, 420. Oh, and, and we didn't tell us what, what's on your head. It says something. What is that? What is that? This is a crypto market cap that someone sent me. How great is this? It's like the That's best thing funny. ever. funny. I like that. Market cap. And it well, doesn't say cap, it just physically is a cap. I, I see what it is saying. a physical cap, yes. But actually, okay, sorry. Lie, a side note, that, that got me on a tangent. If Elon Musk starts a YouTube channel, which he absolutely should, you know what he should call his subscribers? Musketeers. Oh. <laughs> that, way, that way, he could be like all for one and one for all Dogecoin. That's the best like branding it. ever. Wow. That is pretty good. I like anyway. that. <laughs> so we were supposed to get the Doge. Doge Day 420, and we were supposed to pump it to a dollar, but that didn't happen. We got a sell off. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's very much a sell the news. I think what everyone was expecting today, to everyone's going to get so excited about it. But I think what ended up happening, honestly, is that people felt what's what's more to look forward to after today. What other catalyst is there going to be to take us beyond where it's trading at? So I think a lot of people got very excited up until then. And then the day came and they're like, all right, let me sell it off. Now, wait, wait, really quick. Who owns Dogecoin? I don't own anything. I have not for like, like almost a year. I own zero Dogecoin. Is I there, have, Kevin. $5. Is there any- $5. Is, is there like any fundamental case at all for Doge or is it just- yeah. Dude, you know what's so funny? Every crypto enthusiast is like, oh, Dogecoin lacks utility. And it's like the pot calling, calling the cow black. It's like all, all these crypto people are like, it's useless. It's funny money. It's completely pointless. I don't get it. And that's exactly what people sounded like when they heard about Bitcoin. So like Dogecoin has just as much utility as anything else. Like it's, it's actually got more utility as a currency because it's inflationary. 
which is what you want in a currency. It's cheaper to use and the block times are one minute, which means in order to pay with Dogecoin, you only have to wait one minute for a confirmation. So actually as a currency, it's a much more usable currency than anything else. That's what's hilarious. That's actually Ooh. much faster. One one minute block times Way versus the, the usual 15 on BTC, right? Yep. Yep. Did I'm you going hear, all in right now. Yeah. Did you hear Newegg is officially accepting payments via Dogecoin? Nice. Did you guys see the petition on uh, Amazon trying to accept uh, Dogecoin? Really? Uh, I didn't see if, that. If they did. Wait, wait, There's, this isn't from Amazon. This is just a petition somebody yeah, set no, up, right? Petition, yeah. it's, it's got over 130,000 signatures as of Monday. Oh, of course it would. Everyone would sign that. Yeah, yeah, of course. But imagine- well, What's if, Amazon's incentive? Because they're dealing with a lot of smaller retailers. What's the incentive for Amazon to go and accept Because what they would do, immediately they go around and just turn it into USD to pay out their suppliers. Yeah, yep. yeah they would so do something like that. Yeah, I feel like it, for Amazon, there's really not a lot of benefit. If you're a small retailer, I feel like if you if you have like a little online store, it's funny to accept Dogecoin. I think that at that point, it's just you're paying for marketing, and then you're taking Dogecoin as payment, which we're probably just going to immediately liquidate anyway. But it's just no. it's it's funny. Do you guys remember when Overstock started accepting Bitcoin and people were like, "Wow, this is so stupid," and they actually kept it. Because the Overstock CEO was in love with Bitcoin, and then it grew to like insane amounts of money, so they actually kept it. So I don't know. Yeah. Amazon could turn around, just keep it. I mean, I don't imagine the volume is going to be all that big of people buying. I don't know if and Jeff Bezos would sit there just collecting Dogecoin. <laughs> I guess when you have that much money, you could afford the risk. I would be, uh, I would be very happy, honestly, if uh, Elon Musk started taking Dogecoin as payment for his Tesla. I think that would be yeah. hilarious. Unfortunately, I model three with Dogecoin. I, I think yeah. at some point, likely to happen. I think well, so too. Take take a look at just the. Uh, you're so right about the marketing here because if you look at you know here's some tweets from Newegg. They tweet some new graphics cards or whatever. Two hundred fifty five retweets. Here's some special uh, or I'm sorry likes. Uh, Three hundred twenty eight likes. You go over here. Take a peek at this. We're considering accepting Dogecoin. 30,000 likes, 25,000 oh, retweets. Then they Considering. even... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look at this. They put Doge in the Tesla in, in space and they go over here. Hey, Elon Musk, if we accept Dogecoin as payment option, would you buy from us? Let's retweet this to get his attention. Oh, I mean, it's, and, and you know, four and a half thousand retweets. It's brilliant. And now they're pin thing. I mean, I just wonder how much their website traffic has gone up in the last 24 a to 48 lot. hours. Now their pinned comment is, we are now accepting Dogecoin as an official payment method via BitPay. And Graham, I think you're 100% right. They're just going to get the Doge and liquidate it right away. It's too risky yeah. to just hold. It's publicity. It's great publicity. I, I would love it to see, by the way. I think Google should start accepting some payments, maybe on their uh, the App Store or for maybe even YouTube Premium Dogecoin. I just think if people would just have fun doing that, it would lead to higher revenue up front. Anybody right now just uses this as part. But you know what? They did the same thing back uh, 2017 with Bitcoin. 
Remember like the Kodak coin? Back then, any company would just come out with their own cryptocurrency briefly. And Kodak was just skyrocketing on the fact that, oh, you did, they make the Kodak coin. It's the same stuff. It'll it'll probably settle down in, I don't know, a month or so. Do you guys think that Dogecoin would ever go to zero? Do you guys think it's a scam? Like, I've heard a lot of comments of people like saying, this is going to end bad. Do you guys why, think it's ever saying that? Well, they, they think it's the next fad. You know, it's like the peak of all of this meme investing is like Dogecoin going to the moon. This is this is the peak of, of the market. Yeah, well, what about Safe Moon then? <laughs> oh, God, that's not going to the Wait, what is, what, what, is is what is that? Wait, wait. I have gotten so many comments yesterday. Safe mood, safe mood. Make it well, be on I'll safe mood. Start and promoting I, them. I, promote them. Don't, don't give them free publicity. I have no idea what this project is. What if it turns out neither, to be like neither do I. Neither do yeah, I. I, I read like up. one article about it. And I was mentioned like, them on Friday in a live stream, and I got multiple people angrily tweeting me and messaging me. Uh, going, how could you hype up Safe Moon? How could you do that? You're uh, shilling this currency. All I did was mention it. I mean, people got okay, so okay. mad. But, yeah. but think, about it. think about it. How many companies or how many people with, let's say, a million dollars that are just yeah. YOLOing this stuff, creating their own fake white paper? Let's say, I'm not saying that's what Safe Moon is doing. I'm sure. just saying, creating their own white paper, putting together some website, and then just pumping it and and putting out a bunch of bots on our youtube videos yeah and just yep. hey talk, make this video make this video it's and then we yeah. do make this video <laughs> it's like you know what the thing off. is yeah the thing is i received so many comments yesterday all in a row that it made me feel like these were bots yeah like they're real people with real accounts that are going and typing unique comments watching the video and then respond like thoughtful comments mentioning it to the point where i was like wow maybe i should I was skeptical about it though, but that kind of confirms my suspicion for that. Me too, which is yeah. kind of sad considering I, I'm sure there are a lot of legitimate great altcoin projects that need mentioning and actually would, you know, have a lot of help. But I'm sure there's a bunch that that are taking advantage of that and using bots to just get people to talk about them. Take a yeah. peek at this. It actually uh, this is a, a screenshot. Uh, it, the reason I mentioned it and I screenshotted it because I wanted proof that like this is why I mentioned it. It was trending on Twitter with 110,000 oh, wow. tweets trending in the U.S. Hashtag safe moon. So that's why I mentioned it. So I brought it up as as a news piece uh, and I kept that screenshot just as like, like, uh, uh, you know, it was trending. OK, that's why I brought it up. But the thing from when I mentioned it, and I, and I hope this wasn't. It wasn't right. I don't want to be culpable for, for people buying it or selling it or whatever. I don't know anything about it. But, uh, yeah, from that mention on Friday, the thing 6X'd. I, I, I just think to myself, like, you put a hundred grand in, that'd be $600,000. What was nuts. the volume on that, though? Could you actually liquidate that much without just crashing the price? Because when I looked this up, some of the early days, the volume was like 10 grand. 10 no, grand, no, no, no. It's grand. like it's the early now. days. Now, now it's, I think it's in the tens of millions. No, yeah, I think it it's is. in the billions. Is it? Is it in the millions or billions? Ten, right said, now, the 24 hour volume, right? 24 hour volume on Friday was uh, 8 to 10 million. Okay. And now it's 100 to 150 million. Jesus. Yeah. Where's that money coming from? Doge. Well, now it's coming yeah, from all the people that are talking about it. But like, gosh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't promote yeah. it right now. I wouldn't promote it yeah. yet.
So so off that, what, all, what's but, the future yeah. of the Doge? Uh, because look, Doge, today was supposed to be the big day, right? So is this, I mean, is, is uh, you know, people going to rotate out of Doge? Is this going to be a, a quarter coin? Is it going to go back to five cents? What's your take uh, or any of y'all, whoever wants to chime in? Yeah, I can actually see it, believe it or not. I think it's the biggest joke, but I could actually see it having some sort of longevity just because it's funny. And I wouldn't be surprised if this thing drops 90 to 95%. And maybe it stabilizes at like one to 10 cents. Wow. But I think it, it, it's, got, it's garnered enough attention to this point where if Tesla accepts one day payment in Dogecoin, if Coinbase all of a sudden starts trading Dogecoin, I've seen some, um, some new apps start trading Dogecoin. I think just as it gains more acceptance, people are going to just start using it for fun. And that's going to give it some value. Yeah. yeah, I could see a couple catalysts. I think the major catalyst is going to be a couple things. The first is Coinbase or Gemini listing it because that's going to expose it to a whole new bunch of people. And then the second thing is I think inevitably Elon is going to take it to the literal moon. Like he's going to put it on some hardware wallet and then SpaceX oh, is going to launch that hardware wallet to the moon. And when that <laughs> happens, like he's going to do it. You can't have a rocket company be a billionaire tweeting about it almost every day and then not do that. Like I, I would be upset if he didn't do that. The ultimate <laughs> He's still got to make the roadster storage. though. He's got to make the roadster first. <laughs> I don't know. Elon no. Musk uh, to me makes a lot of promises that uh, sometimes take a lot longer than we would expect. When the roadster yeah. comes out, then I'll believe it. True, but he lives up to them. Like he goes through with them eventually. Eventually. So I think he's going to do it. Although, did you guys see his caveat of like what it would take for him to be convinced about Dogecoin being the like the people's crypto? Uh, he, well, so like the biggest criticism against Dogecoin right now is that 28% of it is controlled by some mysterious buyer. And we wrong. think it's Robin Hood. We, we think right. that it is not proven. That's not like confirmed yet. And so the other criticism is like over, I don't know, was 70 or 80% of it is owned by like the top 100 addresses. So he said, if those people like invalidate their accounts or just sell him the Dogecoin, that he he would be all in on Dogecoin. He he wants it to be more evenly distributed because it's like way asymmetrically distributed yeah. right now amongst. People. There was a fantastic yeah. post on Reddit. Uh, I believe this was either a few months ago, maybe a year ago, where this user went through everything. I mean, they were like this internet investigator to be able to prove. I would say with 99% certainty that Robinhood was the largest holder. And they lined up all the dates from when like a certain account was created and when Robinhood announced it and from how much volume there was. The, the research they put in this was fantastic. I, I've yeah. wow. read that post probably five different times. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, so I want to know, uh, Jeremy, you know, with, with stocks the way they are right now, have you thought about getting into that, that good old <laughs> coin? Oh man, you know what? I, 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 no, not really. But what I will say is, um, it, it almost makes you feel like you know you, you saw how much Dogecoin's gone up over the last I don't know three six months, whatever. Right? We all knew about Dogecoin like probably years ago. We first heard about it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, man, imagine just like putting ten thousand dollars in every crazy idea that people think <laughs> would be the next like. 100x idea and i just wonder like what your investment return would be if you just put like ten thousand dollars into every stock that's supposed to be the next huge one that has like some audience behind it or dogecoin or, or these different ones i i call it the meme folio you gotta have one <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't have one. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's yeah. I think a lot of people do that though. And and Graham, I think you could probably speak to this. Uh, don't people do this with penny stocks? You know, they identify, you know, 20, 30, 50 different penny stocks and just you know, spreads butter out a bunch of money overall and then hope one of them hits and goes big. I was about to say that's very true with the startup investing with with angel investments. That's one of the mm. th that's one of the strategies mm. uh, where I read something yeah. with with the first uh, so the seed round of startups, only about one in 25 actually provide any sort of return on your investment. So one of 25, you have to invest 25 times just to probably break even. With the hope mm. that hey, that one that you know makes money is gonna make up for all the losses. So I would say, I mean, who knows if that's a viable strategy? But for startup investing, I would say it it can be. It's a numbers game. You know what I'm hearing now is that there's so much of a chase for things to invest in that even startup investing is starting to get ridiculously overpriced in some cases. I mean, if you think about Coinbase. Uh, which we had no idea, obviously, you, you know, even what the reference price was going to be when a lot of us started talking about Coinbase in this upcoming IPO. But uh, with Coinbase, the private valuation put the shares around six or three, what, 360, 370? Things at 320. So the yeah. last people to buy in the last funding rounds of Coinbase that are like, oh, we got it in private market Coinbase, they're upside down. Do you yeah. think that we're going to see valuations come down? Because part of me is worried that we went through mm. such a wild phase for these last, like this last year, people yeah. were throwing money at these companies. Valuations now are in the billions for quite a few companies out there that I think in the past, maybe two, 300 million. Do you think these valuations are here to stay? Or do you think we've just gone through this insane run-up of just hype and mania of looking for anywhere to invest? They're all going to the moon. I'm going to throw money in it. Do you think that's that's coming to an end or do you think this is just the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think you got a lot of different factors at play. I think one, you had a lot of people make a lot of money last year on stocks. Right. And essentially, we're in a situation now where those people it's tax season, like everybody's doing their taxes. And, you know, if you're kind of newer to the market and you made, I don't know, five thousand dollars profit, like. Most folks aren't even thinking, oh, shoot, I got to pay taxes at the end of the year. And they just they, they say they sell out of a stock for profit. They put that money right in the next stock. Then all of a sudden they're like, shoot, I got to pay taxes. I got to sell stocks. It causes more selling. Right. Plus, I think you you had some overvaluation in the market. Plus, plus, I think you have a little bit of rebalancing out of some of these you know, hyper growth, uh, very speculative companies, even some that, you know, honestly, some of these companies are don't even have revenues or very little revenue uh, compared to their market caps. Right. And um, so I think you kind of get all this movement at once and it's kind of creating this perfect storm. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these SPAC stocks um, or the retail investor names. A lot of them are down 50 percent or more than 50 percent from their highs in that's massive moves. Like that's crazy. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to end eventually. I think probably within the next 30 to 60 days, in my opinion, but I think there's probably a little more pain to go. Hmm. I think as far as like the crypto stocks, those are going to get destroyed. If we get a crypto winter this, this year, I think they're going to go down as much as 50% or more because did you guys see Coinbase making I think 56% of its transactional revenue from Bitcoin and Ethereum alone. So uh, once Bitcoin and Ethereum crash, assuming that they do this year, probably sometime around you know December, maybe January next year, 
then I could I could see how they're going to make so much less money in those transactional fees. Because remember, the underlying asset, $60,000 or 55, whatever it's at right now, whenever people buy a single Bitcoin, they make 0.5% of the fees, transactional revenue. But once they that crashes, gets cut in half, whatever it is, 70% less, can you imagine how much less money they would make and how much less excitement and how much less volume would be in the market? That yeah, would scare so many new retail investors that we got this year. That, that's true, Andre, and that's a good point. But you could also put you know, the shoe on the other foot and you could say, well, if we get some major volatility in the crypto market, there could be far more trading volume. And you know, I remember like even Goldman Sachs in the past, they would make way more money when the market's volatile. You think, oh man, the market's going down. Like at the end of the day, if there's a ton more people trading, there's a ton more transactions to go off of. As long as it didn't crash to such low levels that it's almost yeah, like, you know. Right. Yeah, to play devil's advocate against what I just said, the only difference, unlike like last time in 2017, is we have a lot of new institutional investors. So I'm wondering if they really bought into the idea of Bitcoin or if they're just, you know, FOMOing along for the ride or if they really understand what the technology is, in which case, if it does dip and people get scared, will the institutional buyers come in to buy the dip or will they exit too? That's that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. And the other thing is, I feel like there's a lot of people that are desperate to buy Bitcoin at 25,000, 20,000. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like institution wise, I feel like investor wise, I that's the one thing where I'm like, it's hard for me to see a, a crash in Bitcoin, like an extreme crash where it falls 50% plus, because I feel like there's so much money on the sideline, just waiting, hoping that Bitcoin's going to go down and go down to 20,000 or 15,000. And when it starts going down, people are going to be desperate to buy. So they buy it up. So then it doesn't really crash as much as it is. Right. It's same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a point to be made that it could last for a very brief while. And I think that's true. The more people and, and you know, that, that join the crypto sphere, uh, the shorter the timeframes become for how long bear markets last. Because then if you know if $20,000 a Bitcoin is a, is a bargain, of course, you're going to buy into it. The more people get, you know, get sucked into the crypto sphere, of course, they're going to know that. So I do think if we do get a crash, it'll, it'll be a lot shorter than the usual ones. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we're not going to get, get one. I, I think we will. I, I, it's just, just the cycle of, of crypto. Yeah, but, but we'll see. Is, is though you mentioned that the fee is like uh, 0.5% or whatever. But I just wonder, I mean, if, if, uh, if folks have... Uh, you know, like if, as Jeremy says, people just keep buying Bitcoin, it's entirely possible that the revenues will still be the same uh, if, if people are really buying and hodling. I think the big danger is a, a complete collapse in the currencies. Uh, that's probably, in my opinion, the biggest risk is you get a collapse in like the stable coin market. Like these stable coins start breaking the buck, which we've obviously talked about before. Uh, that That could be so bad, maybe not necessarily to the coins themselves, but to, to all of these centralized crypto exchanges. <laughs> you know? I mean, what do you think about that? Isn't that the biggest risk to them? I mean, whether it's Voyager or BlockFi or, you know, uh, Coinbase. Yeah, but that's like a Sigma 5 event, right? That's a, <laughs> that's a black swan event. I do but think we that don't know that because yeah. the, every time you ask about that, all we hear is, oh, well, we were good in March of 2020, so we must be good for everything. Right. Yeah, that's true. So we got one year of data. So, so okay, let let's say that we are in this like house of cards, right? What what could cause the the trigger? Do, do, like, what event does Kevin see? Do you think that could happen? That could trigger that. I Flash think this, crash, this crypto right? winter thing is 
Oh, so, sorry, uh, really quick. Just this this crypto winter yeah. thing. I don't understand it. Maybe, maybe add add some clarity after Graham there on that. Uh, who knows? I don't know what would cause it, but uh, a plummet in certainly the value of. Yeah, and we've even seen it happen with Binance, even just this weekend. As soon as they start freezing withdrawals because there's a lot of volatility or the price of something's falling really quickly. I think what uh, Bitcoin fell to like 52,000 this weekend. It was like Saturday night or something. And then they froze withdrawals. You start doing that on some of the stable coins. Whew, and then people are like, no, this is my money. It's like, well, no, you did sign up for lending. It is lent out. And people are like, what the F? <laughs> you get dirty really fast. I don't know, well, Graham, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say a flash crash uh, of some sort, and that might be prompted by, let's say there's an, an investigation in Tether. And we've talked about this before. And it turns out it's all funny money, and then people lose faith in that, and they choose to sell off Bitcoin all at the same time. That maybe triggers uh, uh, different orders along the way, keeps driving down the price, drives down the price further. People lose faith in it temporarily. That's what I think might uh, be possible of happening. No, that's true. Yeah, the, a, a flash crash. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get we we get a larger market cap. We get more people. We get an ETF by then, and hopefully prices will stabilize. But mm. I'm cautiously optimistic about it because I think that's the only thing that would dampen that is 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 obviously more money in the market. Because I mean, if you think about it, uh, when when Bitcoin was at ten twenty thousand dollars, I mean, like. 20, 30% price drops in the markets were not news. That was just like ordinary everyday moves. And so now cool. Bitcoin falls 10% from 50 and people are like, it's a crash. It's like, you know, we're, we're redefining crash levels. So I hope that in the future, we're going to be freaking out when it's a 3% crash. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the I mean, when the S&P 500 drops half a percent, that's headline news right now. All of us are making videos about it. Seriously. <laughs> Up 50 points today. First thing you see on CNN. Yeah. Why? Why did your investments just get crushed today? We get like crypto and I'm sorry, like analysts, stock analysts, stock market <laughs> analysts. Like, explain this to us, please. <laughs> what do yeah. we do? Yep. So why this crypto winter though? If you think this crypto winter is coming, you're but you're still DCAing. Are you keeping money on the side? Or are you still just dollar cost averaging in, hoping to dollar cost average in through the winter? No, I'll, I'll dollar cost average through the winter for sure. And, and it's a good question, like why they happen. I have no idea why they happen. They just have happened in the past. And they've always followed the exact same cycle. I believe every 18 months we've wow. had these crashes and there's no rhyme or reason why they happen. They just do. Um, in in a weird like, way, if if traders come to anticipate that that crash would happen, right. it, it'd almost be interesting to see if we might see a crash 17 months you know, like a right, month before right. that or something but it, but it just seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's yeah. like everything's chart patterns you look at these chart patterns you're like oh look an ascending wedge pattern Fibonacci <laughs> sequence. this means there's going to be a sell-off and it's just like all of this uh, think tank mentality and it's just going to sell off so maybe there's something to it to that i don't know wait so when is this going to start when is the winter going to start typically <laughs> it's supposed to start december or january of next year Okay. Yeah. Well, until then, it might uh, continue going up 20% where it drops 20%. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt if we reached 100K before that happens this year. I, I would not be surprised. Hey, Kevin, are you still holding all of your Bitcoin? Sorry? Uh, not 
all of it that I had, but uh, a, a good chunk of it. Uh, I did. Um, I um, I may have paid off all my margin. Nice. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah I what just posted a video it? about it. I, I'm really happy actually, uh, because the the margin's kind of weird. It's uh, it's been uh, it's one of those things where like I used to get excited about uh, about buying stocks. Like I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I get to go buy some stocks or whatever. But lately, it's kind of been like, oh, oh yeah, you got paid, and then you look at what you got paid, and then you look and you go, wait a minute, I'm six million dollars in margin debt. <laughs> like it don't it don't move the needle. And, and, and so all of a sudden you look at it, it's like, oh, this is this is not good. This is not good. So yeah, I now officially have zero margin. I'm really excited about that. Proud of you, man. That's awesome. Wow. Now, do you think that's because over the last month and a half or so, because it seems like your enthusiasm for margin started waning as some of the stocks started dipping a little bit. And overall, uh, I mean the broad market, yeah, we're we're you know higher. But we didn't see mm. those gains. I think I, I wonder if your enthusiasm, you would be like eight million a margin if you know stocks like CCIB were still like you know going to the moon. Do you um, think that impacted I, you know, it? I, I I don't think so because I started my deleveraging uh, around February 9th. February 9th and February 16th, I had big sells. I, you know, I sold you know somewhere around in total. I think it was like 1.7 million or something like that, just to reduce margin. The uh, uh, the and then when the when the crash happened, that's when I really uh, I'm like, oh, double down, double down, buy, 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 buy. Uh, but it it just got out of hand. I bought probably way too much uh, during the dip. And so what I did is I uh, converted a lot of that into uh, leaps, just just long options. Uh, so 2023 20, call options. Uh, you know whether that's Tesla or Square or some of my favorites, Etsy, Pinterest, or even some of the specs. And uh, the cool thing about those is there's no margin call, even though they're way more volatile in pricing, there's no margin call. So nobody's going to call me up and go, oh, margin call. It's like, it's my money. So I like, I look at my portfolio. It's like, that's all mine now. It's, it's really cool. And that's, that's it. You're buying, you're buying um, way in the money, right, Kevin? Or are you buying out of the money? Uh, it's it's uh, a mix. So some of them are way in the money. Uh, stocks that I'm using is more of kind of like a safety balance in that. Some of them uh, are at the money. A lot of them are pretty close to at the money. Uh, and then I bought uh, Tesla spaced out all over. I bought some Tesla in the money, some Tesla at the money, and some Tesla way out of the money. It, so I it just kind of really spread it out. I, I tried to really diversify it. And my theory is that uh, the market is going to boom uh, at some point, in my opinion, uh, between September of this year and, you know, September of 2022. Like over that year, we're going to have some crazy rally. And mm -hmm. in that crazy rally, ideally, I take long-term capital gains, turn it back into shares. Now I've had leverage buying cheap options in the crash because the options are so cheap because everybody's like, I want to short. I want to short. How do I buy puts? How do I short stuff? How do I sell calls? Like everybody's doing that right now. So option prices are wonderful right now. And uh, it, at the same time, people are deleveraging and I don't want margin because it makes me feel like crap. So I'm like, well, I get leverage. I double down on my belief that the market's going to do well, uh, you know, once, once we get through this inflationary period. And um, yeah, now I have no margin. It's great. Let me, let me ask this, Kevin. What, what happens, um, let's say 
tomorrow, this is completely unrealistic, but let's just hypothetically say this tomorrow. Palantir is at 11. Tattooed chef is at eight. CCIV is at eight. Do you maybe get a little tempted to be like, Oh, let's start margining, man. Let's go heavy. It's time to go big. Probably. (laughs) You can't change me. (laughs) (laughs) How did you pay it off? Did you did you have to sell or were you were oh, you God, just yeah. big I sold big I sold too. a lot of stuff a lot of stuff I mean and I sold Tesla I sold did everything did you uh, wait you waited for that year point I'm guessing right so you long term capital gain to fund that not necessarily no really and a lot of these the thing is a lot of things that I sold see because I have my J P Morgan portfolio that's my long portfolio which is at a yeah. year point. Uh, I didn't touch that. Uh, I sold mostly from my uh, Webull, Robinhood, and M1 Finance, which all of those were positions that were started as of December and uh, in November. So, uh, you know, there it's not like there were many capital gains because things have been in the toilet since then. I mean, we've really retraced to those prices. So I'm looking at it like the ca- tax consequence wasn't that bad. It's, it's positive. Like I'm going to get hit with taxes on it. But it's, it's not that bad relative for the rebalance I got. Uh, and I think I've got uh, I've got the leverage on the way up as long as the theory goes right. But I have no margin. We'll see. I could be wrong. Thank you. The, the big risk factor yeah. is the market trades sideways for the next two years or trades down for the next two years. Yes. And those options, you know, drop substantially in value, which they will drop much more than no. shares and I'll be screwed. Right. But uh, I will say, I think it was actually partially you, Graham, when, when you're yeah. like, uh, in the, in that uh, podcast we did on my channel, where we're like, oh, I don't care about the market going down. I just I just wake up in the morning, I have my coffee, and I buy stocks, and I'm like, I yeah. miss that feeling, that feeling of being excited about buying. Uh, that went away when when the margin number was too high. So yeah, Kevin, I have to um, say, I love the no stress approach. Yeah, I I like great. that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Jeremy. Uh, so uh, okay, let's talk about the calls real quick here. Um, Tesla, I'm guessing that's where you have the majority of your calls by far, or is it another stuff? Probably. Okay. Because uh, what, what, do you mind sharing like strikes and premiums you paid and things like that? I'm just trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, short of going through the whole thing, um, uh, we can look at some of the Tesla ones. Let's see. So like Tesla, uh, one of them I did was, okay, here we go. So Tesla, uh, Tesla 650, I picked up 11. Uh, for for Jan, uh, Tesla. Would you break even? What? Oh, I mean, I I, I think oh, I just want to know like break even prices on them, if you don't mind. Like whatever. Oh well, yeah, yeah, sure. Right. So if you add it, okay, so sure. So break even on that. Oops. Well, uh, the price per share that I paid was uh, two eighty three. So uh, six fifty plus what is that? The two eighty three. I don't know. That's nine something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, then I got some 900s. I got a little bit, and then I got out of the money too. And I got some, even like a 1300 and some others. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'll be honest as a Tesla investor, I'm really worried that Tesla could be in a range for one to two years. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, uh, yeah, that's what, that's kind of what I worry about here. Like, I don't think Tesla is going to be in a five to six year range. Like it was from like 2013 to 2019. But I think it's very possible that it could chill in anywhere from like 
500 to maybe like 850 for like mm. a year or two. And that, that's the only thing I would worry about with kind of an approach like you have there. Um, yeah. My, my chill range is a little higher. Uh, my chill range is uh, with the fundamental belief that Wall Street is is not realizing that Tesla is going to well exceed a million vehicles delivered and produced this year. Uh, I think Wall Street's still thinking it's going to be like an 880. Uh, and uh, once we get out of the doldrums of this market that we're in, to me, the range bind for Tesla is probably going to be nine to eleven hundred, somewhere on there, nine hundred to eleven hundred is is where I think maybe we kind of get stuck for a while until we really get like that FSD rollout. Once Wall Street's like, oh dang, okay, we're really producing it. That that was sort of my theory on Tesla, and uh, I'm looking for that that rally over the next year where we see that, <laughs> and as soon as we see that push to like, even if we just hit. Like we hit a thousand bucks, I'm probably dumping all of these options instantly, and just buying the shares at that point. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's gonna it's be- way more risky. And so for some yeah. people, they hear they're they're like, "Oh, Kevin, you sold." Uh, that makes you a paper hander. Like paper handers reduce risk. Uh, I'm actually increasing risk by doing this in some sense because yeah. uh, now I have the t- I, I do have to play the timing a little bit. I'm just. Uh, confident in, in, in how the market's going to perform. And so I'm just kind of putting my money there while at the same time having no margin and we'll see. Yeah. Isn't no, that somewhat the same? You're just kind of shifting risk around. Isn't that, um, wouldn't that be it's, it's different. the same thing as you keeping margin? How so? Uh, it's a, it feels different for me because 27% of my portfolio is, is options now and uh, 73% is my longs. So my longs, totally peaceful. I could go on a vacation today for a year and come back and deal with it. And I think it'd be fine. Uh, and uh, that's that's what I'm excited about. Whereas when you're on margin, you, it's just it's almost like every day, it's like, oh, you're trying to keep it at 20%. And then it's like, oh no, it's going up because the market's going up. And then you're like, oh, I don't wanna buy. Now, if I got extra cash and there's a dip, it's like, oh sure, I'll buy another option on that. Let's go, let's get the March, 2023. Let's get the June, 2023, you know? It, it's, it's gonna be fun. At yeah. least you guys can get slaughtered on Coinbase. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually bought Coinbase options too. I got Coinbase <laughs> options at 320 is what I got. Nice. So yeah. I'm bullish on coin. I, I don't know. I, I, I like coin. Yeah, I, uh, we should change subjects, but I want to talk about Tesla a little more. The thing that worries me about Tesla also, if we're talking about short-term ranges and things like that, is you've had such immense buying pressure from Kathy Wood, right? Um, oh, yeah. Just alone. Like obviously more fund managers than just Kathy Wood, but I mean, you know, she's been you know, over the last year or two, aggressively buying, you've had every retail investor out there wants to be invest in Tesla, right? Um, regardless of price, for the most part, and I, I do worry, I'm kind of thinking like, man, what, what if, you know, this buying pressure kind of subsides, you're naturally always going to have some more selling pressure, right? Because certain people have to sell for different reasons. What if the funds start selling? Also, there's more competition, I feel like, for our money as investors than maybe ever because so many companies went public last year. It's like, you know, Palantir wasn't in the market last year. Coinbase wasn't in the market last year. You know, you go through a lot of these different stocks um, that all of a sudden now it's like, okay, do I put money in Tesla at 715 or do I put money in Palantir at 20 or do I put money in Coinbase at 312? And and so that's another thing I kind of think about. I'm like, there's there's a lot of companies to be very excited about and does Tesla get enough to really push that buying pressure up. Um, so just something I, th- I think about. 
Yeah, I think Tesla uh, will will generally uh, outperform the market over uh, the next five years, uh, at least. I think uh, a lot of Wall Street believes Tesla is like a here today, gone by 2025 because of competition play. I think Tesla peaks in, in 2030 to 2035 and that this this is really invest an investment in Tesla to me is a, is a 2050 play. We're not going to be fully electric until 2050. Now, people think, oh, OK, electric vehicles are coming. That's it. The EV wave is over. This is a this is a 30 year investment uh, in, into whether it's Tesla or some of the other energy companies. I mean, uh, I, th- I don't know. I don't know who talked about it, but somebody was talking about, and I saw the articles on it too. Apple using the Tesla Mega Packs, like that's not even realized by Wall Street yet. The fact that Tesla is, is so much more than just the car company. I and and of all of the stocks I can look at, that is the one that I just keep looking at. Going, it's got the growth. It's got the verticals. It's got the brand. Uh, it's got the margins. It has everything I want in a stock. It makes no sense for me not to keep plowing money into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can understand from that perspective. Yeah, it just gets dangerous as far as like timing because the market, you sure. know, the market didn't recognize Tesla for five plus years. And then all of a sudden it just goes in a straight line. Oh, yeah. And, you know, but I understand the, the risk standpoint. I just, yeah, options, man, that's the only bad thing. It's like you get under this time constraint where yep. all of a sudden you're like, crap, I need in the next 18 months, I need blah, yep. blah, blah to happen. And I got 18 months. I got 18 yeah. months. And what I'm looking for, that's why I don't want to get greedy with them because I, I do want the low stress. I like the idea of no margin right now, especially since Lauren's trying to get into a house. Uh, so I want to free up some capital, but uh, which that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, for right now, uh, my big thing is, hey, all, all it takes is, is a nice solid rally, whether that comes this September, this December, next February, next summer. I don't care. All I need is one good rally. I transitioned mm-hmm. to shares. Boom. I had leverage uh, via options. If it doesn't work out, whatever. There goes 27% of portfolio. Worst case, right? That's 27%. Yeah. But I don't even think that would happen because realistically, I could probably sell them for at least half the options. We'll see uh, at some point. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. It is more risk. It is a bet. I actually call it a little bit of a YOLO. Uh, I'm not encouraging people to do it because it's more risky, but it feels so right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, imagine, imagine if we would have won options uh, a couple of years ago. Oh my gosh, would we have oh. a lot of money? <laughs> but yeah. anyways, go ahead, Andre. Yeah, Jeremy, I was going to ask you, we're 8,000 subscribers away from your $100,000 Bitcoin purchase. You got the money? $100,000. Wow, guys. Wait, really quick, guys. You got to subscribe. Jeremy says he's going to be buying. He's going all in on Bitcoin and Do- Dogecoin when we get to 100,000 subscribers. We're so close. So if you're watching this right now, just make sure to subscribe. It's totally free. takes you just a split second. Just go and tap that little button and then the notification bell and then the like button. That's it. Oh, also, it's my birthday on Thursday. So it would oh. mean a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that's my birthday present. How about that? Just hit the, hit the subscribe button. That's all I want. That's it. I want nothing How else than you to subscribe. 31. 31. Nice. 31, yeah. How, how's it feel to be 31 or going to be 31? How's it feel, Graham? You feel I don't like think, I, I don't think I don't I don't think I'm th- I like mentally I still think I'm like 24. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> Except okay, the only difference is between me now and me at actually 24 is uh I want to sleep a lot more. I want to go to bed early. 
that's really the uh, the biggest thing. and and I, I don't know now i see it like oh you know a whole bunch of big crowds and stuff like that i'm like nah, i'm not gonna do that i'd rather just sleep so <laughs> that's and it. a couple million dollars that's it like mentally i still i still think of myself like 24 that's that's how i right. feel yeah, you, so, you're like you're like that commercial. You guys seen that commercial? It's like you're progressive. I think you're turning into your parents. Those are hilarious. <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned that about sleeping more, Graham. I um, well, I want I want to mention this. Uh, well, uh, okay, I quit coffee. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, like uh. What like uh, it's been it's been nine days and and I think today is like the first day I've actually felt like normal because the withdrawals have been so bad. How did you yeah. do that? I okay, so I've tried this. I want to say three years ago. I just mm. wanted to give myself like thirty days, no caffeine, and just just to prove to myself like, hey, I could do it. That was so difficult, and I actually yeah. I I think I made it about three weeks. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I liked it enough that like it wasn't hurting anybody. And I was like, you know what? I like it. This is my little bit of joy. I don't drink. I, I don't do anything else. If I have a cup of coffee, it's fine. But it was tough that that first uh, the week and a half was really – I was just bitter. I was so angry. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have tried that given your schedule of waking up early in the morning, posting. I wouldn't have even wanted to try that. Why risk it? Yeah, I basically just cut out all my Rust video gaming for like nine <laughs> days, <laughs> and it's just been more sleep during that time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'll tell you, like that 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 getting over that, like sure you get the headaches the first few days, but it's the multiple days thereafter, like the week thereafter, that you're just fatigued every day. Like I think yeah. I felt like having to take a nap like four times a day is what it felt like. Pretty Jeez. bad. You guys are making it sound coffee sound like a drug. I don't drink it coffee is, at all. It is. It is. I don't drink it at all. It like it, I, I feel like it doesn't make any difference to me. If I drink it, it, it makes me feel like, if, if anything, sleepy. Like it what? does not help me out in any way. I don't know Dude, why. I, I've heard of people doing that where like they'll they'll have a cup of coffee before bed. I'm like, oh. yeah, it, it doesn't really affect me at all. I don't get it. Wow. But that's wow. crazy. Lauren's best friend has that same problem well, i don't know if it's a problem but the same thing where uh if she coffee caffeine just doesn't affect her at all uh yeah. and it's it, yeah well hey i don't know thing. if that's good or bad but what oh that's interesting <laughs> yeah you find yourself less motivated because like i can't uh, get myself started in the morning unless i just i had that cup the perfect cup of coffee i get myself in front of the computer and i'm just yeah. good to go Hey Graham, he's clearly less motivated. He just sold six million dollars worth of stocks. Obviously, oh, wow. motivation's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's over. Yeah. Uh, well, what I've noticed is I was waking up a lot at like six o'clock, and then I got okay. I start the live stream at like six twenty-five or six twenty or whatever. The coffee wouldn't hit me fast enough, so it it seems like it took like two or three cups of coffee. And like two hours for me to actually feel the coffee. The most alert, if I wake up at six, I'm usually most alert at like 1130. It's weird. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the coffee didn't help me first thing in the morning. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I anytime I, I find myself drinking too much, I scale back a little bit. That's all I do. So instead of having like three cups a day, I'll go down to like one and a half, two for a little mm. while. So <laughs> Kevin's like, I've dropped coffee, started drinking Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And now it's just, now it's just Adderall. <laughs> yeah. no more I, I do want to bring this up. Uh, this uh, this is one of the reasons I love, still love Tesla so much. I know I'm going circling back, but I just wanted to bring this up because I pulled this up. Take a look at this. This was a text message uh, from my father-in-law. I know he won't be upset if I show it, but. Um, so no one driving the car, two men dead after fiery Tesla crash, right? We, we've all heard the story. And then my father-in-law, please be careful. Don't trust the machine. Yeah. Like this is exactly the kind of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which is why I keep buying Tesla. When the boomers start saying, I trust autopilot, that's when I sell Tesla stock. Boom. <laughs> Hey, I had a friend send me that same thing. I was just like, oh, I cringe so bad. I'm like, oh, gosh, what are you doing, man? Yeah, like, so no. I saw your video, Kevin, that Elon Musk confirmed that the car was not in autopilot. And what did they do? Was there a chance it got disengaged? I mean, the fact that no one was in the driver's seat already, there's there's a level of what were you thinking involved in that? But <laughs> yeah. uh, do we, do we know any more details that. at this point? Uh, no, no more details known. I actually tweeted Elon, uh, which he did not respond to this, which I don't really, I mean, he has, he's never responded to me, <laughs> but so I just keep tweeting him. But anyway, I tweeted him and I, 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 not worth pulling up right now, but I tweeted him and I'm like, so was it ever engaged? Because the way yeah. he worded it was just like, it wasn't engaged. So it wasn't engaged at the time of impact or was it never engaged? There's a big difference, right? Big difference. The fact the that there was no one in the driver's seat makes me think yeah. it was engaged. And I have a feeling if it, let's say you're, you're being an idiot and you're not in the yeah. driver's seat and you see your car on autopilot, but something happens. The first thing that I would do is lunge for the steering wheel, turn it and try to correct. Uh, yep. And at which point it wouldn't be an autopilot anymore. So even a split second beforehand. Right. So yeah, and yeah, then and it could just crash into a tree. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, so, and, and then none of the safety right. measures would take over either because it would happen so fast. I mean, if you're going 60 miles an hour and you just go boop tree, like the auto stop isn't going to help you. <laughs> you know, now, uh, that, that's the other thing. Would auto stop have actually could it understand that you're going towards something and actually stop ahead of time? Because sometimes fast, I've been I mean, an autopilot and I've gotten close to hitting things. I sure. just tested it to see how close I can get. But sometimes there's a car merging in. And I'm like, is it going to correct it? And I don't want to risk yeah. it. So I'm just like, no, I'm going to take over this. Right. Uh, I think it depends. You know, if you're going, because the, the picked, picture a, a small neighborhood, almost driveway. I don't know if you've seen the picture on it, but it, it, it's pretty small yeah. uh, street that this happened on. And uh, my guess is if the car was going 60 miles an hour and, and it's going into a turn and the people are thinking, oh, my gosh, autopilot can't handle this turn. And somebody jerks the wheel and there's a tree five feet away. Even if the brakes started, there's no way they would have even slowed the car down. But what, maybe from 60 to 55? Like, there's just not enough. There's not enough runway for that. Uh, the uh, And it was in grass, too. So you probably just slipped through the grass anyway with your brakes. Uh, but there is a theory that I think has potential validity. And that is that maybe the driver was in the driver's seat, 
they launch moded out of their driveway, hit the curve, uh, hit the tree when they lost control, car catches on fire, driver climbs in the back seat to try to escape the fire at the front of the car, and they get trapped and die. Jeez. Why would the door open unless it was... What's... Unless they were unconscious or the impact of, of a car into yeah. a tree can just compress the entire shell of the car almost mm -hmm. and probably make it impossible to open the doors in, in certain circumstances. That could have happened. Uh, and uh, honestly, I got to thinking to myself like, okay, well then like you want to break a window, obviously. But then I got to thinking about, oh my gosh, the Cybertruck's going to have unbreakable windows. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Jeez. You know what's Didn't crazy about think this, though? You know, like, like we're actually spending time talking about this. And right now, somebody probably died. While, well, there's probably a lot of people that got severely injured or died while we've just been doing this for 51 minutes. And, and other cars, Fords, Mercedes, BMWs, Audis, every other car out there. And we're not talking about that. But one Tesla wreck, and all of a sudden, we got to spend five, 10 minutes on millennial money talking about this. Isn't that like just stupid? This is getting morbid. <laughs> Let's talk oh, about it's just, dumb. it's just so dumb. Only because it's Tesla. People die all the time in Toyotas and Hondas, and it never makes the news. No one talks about it. No one's sharing that. A Tesla accident, people die, and all I of a sudden, it, it's, we all got to talk about it? It's, it's really even that news. element. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the it's newness the of it and the, and the fact that there is an autopilot feature that's not in other cars, and the yeah. fact that no one was in the driver's seat at the time of an accident. Um that you don't really find that in necessarily like no one was behind the wheel of a Toyota because it's how would you do that? Because no one cares. That's the bottom line. Like it's crazy stuff happens in accidents all the time. Bodies go flying out of the car and it just doesn't make the news. A Tesla, no, I, everybody lose we'll, their mind. Change, no, we'll the circumstances are different. Yeah. No, no, I totally disagree. The people, no, I totally disagree. I think it's ridiculous, but that's, so, that's the world we live in right now. Globally. Uh, apparently, with a quick Google here, so for what it's worth, there are 3,287 car deaths per day divided by 24 hours is 137 people die per hour around the world in accidents divided by 60 minutes uh, is somewhere around a uh, little over two people Ooh, dying yeah. per minute. Uh, somewhere in the world due, due to car collisions. And but no anyway, back to that Tesla. No one cares. <laughs> no yeah, one no, cares unless it's a Tesla. All of a sudden it's a Tesla and we all got to lose our mind over this. It's ridiculous. And, and, yet, and yet here we are trying to do something good about it for society, trying to, because we're, we're bad at driving. Like we don't do a good job, right? That's why we're always dying in car accidents. We're trying to do something good, trying to do something good here. And no one wants to do good. And they just want to fear monger and scare everybody out of it. And it's just, oh, man, so frustrating. So, so when are you adding to your Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I'm not even thinking about it from a stock perspective. Just uh, a human standpoint. We're not good at that thing. And we need, like, something that never makes a mistake or almost never makes a mistake. And I feel like we're not even giving it the chance. Every time, and this is going to continue to happen. As soon as like somebody gets hit by a Tesla, it's going to be everywhere. Anybody else could hit somebody and it's like back page news. And yet a Tesla on self, 
on autopilot, hit somebody, everybody's going to lose their mind. Well, to be fair, I think once Mercedes and Toyota and Hondas start autopilot, I think we'll hear about them a lot more too. Because they'll be crashing much more. Oh! <laughs> Did you guys see that video uh, Elon posted of, of that? He's like, oh, I found the footage of, gosh, I forget who did it, Mercedes. I think Mercedes was the last one or GM. He's like, oh, I found the footage of their self-autopilot uh, drive. No, I forget. Didn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it no, bad. this is going to be such a troll. <laughs> it was. It was hilarious. How long ago was that? Where did you post that? Like a week ago or a couple days oh, ago. Oh, okay. I'll I'll try to find it. Uh, in the meantime, what are, I what are, I don't know what what else is going on, Graham? I, your fish tank's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> so I'm cycling it through. So you'll see it on the Stefamily vlog channel. But now now is the unfortunate part of waiting for it to cycle, which just means we we got it. We introduced the bacteria to the tank. The bacteria needs to have time to grow in the aquarium and attach to the rock and uh, basically make it a safe environment for fish. So that just takes anywhere from two weeks on the low end to maybe four weeks. I'm on week two right now. The ammonia is coming down in the tank, thankfully. Nitrite's going up right now. So I just got to wait maybe another week or so and test the, test the water. It's great, though. It's fun to look at. There's nothing in it right now. That's cool. Kevin, you said you, you and Lauren are looking for a house. What, what are you guys looking at? Just uh, a bigger upgrade? Or different area. Yeah, something, something a little larger. We'll keep this one. Uh, I don't know. Might make this just the workhouse, which would be kind of yeah. cool. Uh, it does would give me a tiny little bit of commute to the kids. I don't like commutes at all. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There's something cool about me opening the door and then just being able to play with the kids or play Minecraft and then come back in here. That would go away, which is a downside. But uh, you know, if we have, if we have a couple more kids or, or what if Lauren gets pregnant with twins, which she's not pregnant right now. Okay. I'm just saying, uh, but uh, you know, that's a plan to have another child. And when we have another child, we're already like, we don't have another room. Uh, Cause I'm taking up all the rooms with like office equipment and stuff. You know? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you it would just be something bigger. Room, right, Kevin? What's that? You only take up one room, right? Well, I, I take up uh, this sort of office I record in. And sometimes because I have these weird sleep schedules, we have a guest bedroom, which is really just the Kevin stayed up long and needs a nap bed or sleep bed or whatever for the bizarre sleep schedule, which could end up being like a pullout couch, you know, but it, that's inconvenient. Uh, and I also take up the complete garage. So all the kids' toys and stuff are really like restrained. We don't have a backyard. So um, getting a backyard for the kids, space for the kids, a house that's no work is, is going to be really nice. What, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, what do you guys have a budget in mind or like? I'd probably be somewhere in that like one, two to one, four range somewhere on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so so well, I'm like, I'm not going like mega mansion or whatever, uh, yeah. you know, out here in California. I mean, that's, that's going to be like a 3,300. 500 600 whatever square foot house something around that range oh, okay wow. that, that's what i was going to ask you kevin i was like what does that get you does that get you a super modern you know uh no probably oh, have to reno it probably be a fixer no no uh, way you're, you're messing oh, yeah. no way no no it'd probably need a renovation what kevin, why wouldn't you just spend more money get something bigger that you won't because i feel like just buying a new house for a few extra bedrooms and a bit of a yard you may as well get something you could really grow into over the next five to, I don't know, 10 know. years. It's done. You don't have to do a single thing. I loved moving in uh, this house. The fact that it was all done besides yeah. the refrigerator, I loved it. 
I want that it's so badly. Yeah. The the problem is, uh, you've got to here in Cali, you got to balance what neighborhood do you want your kids to grow up in, uh, and, and then what size house do you want? Because mm. if you want a big house, you're gonna be up on a hillside with with boring people. I'm sorry for anybody watching this on the hillside. I'm just that's okay. like there are not many people pushing strollers on the hillside. Okay, it just is what it is. There aren't many kids playing soccer on the hillside. Uh, uh, relative to to in, in suburbs in the neighborhoods, uh, you go to the beach for a bigger house. Well, the beach you're not getting a backyard. You're getting tiny, tiny little lots. You know, it's the same problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want a big, big house here in SoCal, you got to be on like a bluff in Santa Barbara. But then you're 30 minutes from your friend. You know, you're from one friend. You know? Mm -hmm. We're your friends, Kevin. We're only a call away. <laughs> So, so Jack friends, kid friends, you know, like, like, oh, I go to school with them, right? Like, it, it's all about the kids. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, you know, let's say you want a super modern five bedroom house, you know, open, you know, space and, you know, super modern countertops. What are you looking at price, you know, price range for something like that? Or is that even to, possible? Uh, I'd have to, uh, if I wanted it in, in a kid friendly neighborhood, I'd have to buy a house. And rip everything out and, and make that happen. Wow. So why aren't people like renovating their houses and selling them or flipping in that area? Because I feel like, mm. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's just nobody wants to sell. Like there are, there are literally neighborhoods in our city where, uh, and, and Lauren's been knocking on people's doors. Like, hey, I will pay you uh, more money just to get the F out because we <laughs> want this house. And wow. And people are like, well, that means we have to be buyers and there's nothing to buy. No, thanks. Bye. Right. Mm. It's a huge problem right now. Yeah. That's a crappy you time. To also in your area, the inventory is just like dried up. There's nothing available really. Uh, I mean, the, the interesting thing is like stuff comes, it just goes really fast, right. but the stuff that's coming and going, uh, I mean, so far we just haven't seen anything remotely close. To, to what would work for Lauren. Lauren's got really specific desires. Like there are probably under 15 houses in the city that would satisfy Lauren. Okay, oh, wow. Kevin, is there no one building anywhere remotely close to you, new builds? The only builds that are happening close to us are, uh, are uh, sort of on the outskirts of cities that we don't want to live in. But wow. our city has no new construction right now. Is that because there's no land or, or what's going on? This thing called uh, SOAR, Save Our Agricultural Resources or whatever. And, and basically we can't use up the farmland for like 30 more years or something crazy like that. Wow. And there, there's a lot of farmland in your area? Yeah, we've got really prime locations uh, in the middle of the city, like great like suburby areas. And you just look, it's like, here's this massive like lemon orchard. It's like, oh, one day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's going to be a Westfield Mall. There's a Tesla store in there. I know that sounds Simon's terrible. Property. That sounds terrible. Yeah. yeah. But but I no Lord and I like oh no so more. No, I mean really, Lord and I we're, we're like one day if they ever develop that we could have a house there and we'll we'll get first phase new construction. <laughs> but, <laughs> Dang that that's just cr such a crazy concept because you know obviously growing up in in Phoenix and then obviously living out here for you know in Vegas for the last six years I mean they just you know build 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 there's always. There's a million new communities all the time in different areas, and it's just I'm like, jealous. Yeah, it's <laughs> just <I'm> jealous. <laughs> crazy to think about, you know, in California, it's just like 
it's almost like special if you get a new new construction area or something. It's crazy, yeah. man. It's, Jeremy, it's, your house is done, right? Your your new house in Phoenix. Yeah, that one got done in November. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That what do you like living better, Vegas or over there? Uh, I like Vegas a little better. Arizona's awesome as well. Um, Arizona has a different vibe. You know, people might think like it's desert, like it's all the same. Like you know, where we live in Arizona, it's so much different. Like you know, big, huge saguaro cactuses. You're surrounded by beautiful mountains that are, you know, like the mountains in Arizona are, are actually pretty different if you live close to them than the mountains here. Uh, mountains in Vegas are kind of lame. Uh, Graham could probably attest to this because <laughs> we are by a mountain. But no, in Arizona, man, it's different. There's just so much vegetation and it's just almost like uh, paradise, a, a paradise type desert. It's so much more beautiful. So I appreciate that. But Vegas is is just I don't know. There's something about Vegas I just love. I think it's I don't it's, know the city lights or something. There's also no state income taxes, right? And no, Arizona's like four, four, oh, four, four or five percent. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So they're they're on the lower range, but still like you know they have taxes. But um, yeah, I mean both both have pluses and minuses. But I'm looking forward to when the new house is done. You know for sure. Oh That's yeah, it's not built out yet. That's yeah. right. It's like uh, we're getting the keys in like two months. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's exciting. That's probably when I'm getting my key. Not my, I have my keys, but when I'm done with my remodel. Oh, yeah, how long is your remodel going to huh? take? What, I, is it two months? It was it was scheduled for two months, but I'm looking at the house and it's giving me anxiety. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to get done in a month because it's already been a month. And it's like in complete disarray. The house is just destroyed. Wow. wow. You got a general yeah. contractor? How are you doing it? Yeah, it's through a general contractor. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I found these guys, um, the Boakley brothers here in town, and I love their designs. I just found them on Instagram. They're like interior designers, but they also flip homes. Um, incredible dudes. And I love their homes, but they sell in like a day. Whoa. And I just reached out to them and I'm like, I love your guys' style. Would you mind like designing something for me? And then we linked up and then they looked at my house and they're like, yeah, we could do a lot with this. And so we collabed and... For my next video on like the the house rehab, that's when I'll I'll show the whole process. It was super cool. But Andre, yeah. is that a house you could see yourself living in for a long, long time, like five? Totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy. I, I have this like it's crazy theory about Vegas houses, and 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 I don't know if it's true for other real estate markets, but I feel like houses in the eight hundred thousand dollar range, nine hundred thousand here in Vegas, they kind of top out. And they're and they're very similar to homes in the 1.8 million, two million dollar range. Like there's not much of a difference. The only difference you'll see is maybe you'll be in a nicer area like Summerlin or Henderson. You'll have nicer schools. But as far as like the house itself, it's not very different in terms of livability until you get to like the three million dollar mark. And mm -hmm. that's when you start to see a huge lifestyle difference as far as like what you get for it. But but I would say for Vegas anyway, like eight hundred thousand pretty much buys you about the max. And then the only difference you'll really get to notice is about the $3 million range or higher. That's when you get to like Blue Heron and like all these other crazy designers. And yeah. So that was the choice I was faced with. Either buy a $1.5 million house, which I would love to be near you guys. You guys' community is super cool and your house is epic. Or just get like a normal person house for $800,000 and just kind of upgrade it. And that's what I decided to do. But well, I feel like yours is really unique, Andre. I wouldn't even call that like a, a normal person house. I think yours, your yeah. house is 
extremely unique. I mean, there's so many features of that that's just way different than the that's conventional true. house in Vegas. I feel like yours, yours, I think it fits your personality, man. I think it's just like, it's a one-on-one. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a community. It's not like a spec home or anything, but yeah, yeah. You just don't see industrial type lofts in Vegas at all. It's mostly like New York, you know, Chicago. That's yeah. true. When I saw it first, I'm like, there's, this is like, this is one of, of like a kind. There's nothing like this. And when you said it was actually in a neighborhood like this, it gave me a lot more comfort because I, I just, as much as I want you to have something unique, I also think about resellability and rentability sure. in the future. Me too. So having, Me too, having yeah. comps is good. <laughs> Yeah, the only downside about it really um, from a resale value is that it's a townhome. It's not a, sure. it's not like a, yeah. What do the HOA cover though? Don't they cover the roof or like, I don't know, what, what do they cover out there for you guys? Pretty much everything. It's only 80 bucks a month, which for Vegas is unheard of. Like the place I'm in now, literally this place, it's three. It's worth $300,000, but our HOA is $300 a month. And we have just one community pool and that's it. Like that's all of our amenities. So and 80 bucks insane. is like a, is there a gate? There is a gate. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. That's yep. nice. Good job, yeah. man. Hey, uh, are yeah. you going to keep that house, Andre? What's up? Are you going to keep that house you're in right now? Uh, I'm renting this one. I'm not. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought you owned it. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, was uh, my parents are two houses away. That's the one I bought for them. Like literally two houses away. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So th there's a crazy, um, there's a crazy like housing situation I came across this weekend. So there's a new development in Henderson here. And um, it's probably like maybe 10 minutes away from, from my house. And when they first like put the billboard up, it's a Lennar build. Um, it, they were saying from the 600s. Now this was like five, six months ago. So they still haven't opened this community. They're finishing up the models. They'll probably open the models, I'd say, in the next month or two. I went ahead and checked price points from the 900s now. The 900s. Same community? Wow. What? Same community? Same, same community? or Same community, and it, they haven't even like uh, opened up the models or anything yet. And just like that, it went from 600s, 700s, to now you can't even get in there without a 9 in front of it. I was yeah. like, and that's that before lots. Dude, that does not make sense. That's before lots. Jesus. Yeah. Holy I, crap. Yeah, I think part of it is they've seen a ton of demand. So they're looking at that and they're like, well, since we put that billboard out a few months ago, there's more demand. And then I think also uh, prices of everything. I know we, we don't want to get into that inflation talk again, but <laughs> lumber has gone stupid. And just about anything. There's no inflation, Jeremy. Don't talk about it. <laughs> For, from my understanding, almost anything you need to build an actual house is much more expensive than it was a year ago. From my understanding, I'm not building a house. So that's what I'm saying too. That's the exact same thing I'm saying. Like, yeah. But. Yeah. So, so that, that's what gets interesting. And then, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's a good thing if you own real estate, though. I will say that if you own real estate, and I, know, I think Kevin, you might own the most real estate of all of us, or, or Graham, man. You know, at the end of the day, like if houses get more and more expensive to build them, like you guys are looking really dang good. That's all I'll say about that. I'm wondering though, is that true for other markets, or is that just a Vegas thing for us here, like locally? just a California thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh! I'm guessing like is that is that because of the no state income tax thing? Is that just like is that exclusively because of that or 
What no, prices going up? What's that? There's, you mean prices going up? Yeah, just is it across the nation oh, or is it just nationally? locally? Everywhere. Nationally, okay. everywhere prices. I, I think no, nationally right. prices are up something like ten percent year over year. Oh, more. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it was crazy. Uh, it was Idaho, which was up twenty three percent year over year. Yeah, which is insane. Boise, Idaho. Yeah, yeah, I remember I was on a Toll Brothers conference call and they specifically shouted out Boise, Idaho is like the hottest market. And I think that's a lot of Cal of, of not just Californians, but specifically San Francisco, like Northern California folks have been moving to Boise, Idaho, I guess. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, the hottest markets are the, the biggest, right? Vegas, Phoenix, Texas, uh, Florida. I, I was just, somebody texted me the other day, Ryan Scribner. I don't know uh, if he's watching this, yeah. if you are, Hey man, he, he texted me the other day and he said he moved to Florida. I think he was living yep. in before yeah i was considering florida yeah. florida looks so nice oh my gosh the, the amount yeah. of real estate you can buy in florida for like 800 up to a million it's it, it's a castle i don't know if you guys have seen it it's it's little they're literally beach houses yeah well it, it depends on where you're buying in florida in miami it's a little different and i think that's where a lot of people like to move is miami i think it depends on what part of florida you're I'm talking actually. about like fort lauderdale like nice areas really yeah. nice areas. yeah yeah, you just have to deal with the rain a lot. That's the main thing. I mean, and, and then the hurricanes, yeah. Yeah, hurricanes too. Yeah, no doubt. And the but humidity and the bugs. Yeah. And the alligators. Yeah. And I grew the up in Florida. I could say it. <laughs> I, I spent 16 years growing up in Florida. I miss and the it. Florida man. And but the Florida man. That's the worst the one. Florida man. <laughs> hey, I got to say, man, it's, it's, uh, you know, when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which obviously isn't Florida, but it's still somewhat toward that climate, right? That, that Southern sure. climate, uh, coming from Arizona, man, I never seen so much rain in my life. And I got to oh, say, man. like, sometimes I would get down about it. Like if it rained again and again and again, and it's like, Oh, it's raining again today. Oh, I'm off from work today. I would love to go kayaking, but it's pouring out again. Like, you know, in Phoenix or Southern California or Vegas, like, you know, almost every day sunny. It's weird if it yeah. rains in, in in Charlotte, Seattle, other markets. Man, it, it can start to actually get you down. Like I can do it. Yeah, I need sunshine. Yeah, I like sun. yeah. sunshine. It's crazy. But, let's uh, do some questions. Let's do questions. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So what do we got here? Uh, so I put the. Let's see here. We do look at the chat. We're looking at the chat now. <laughs> uh, let's see. What questions do we want to ask? Anybody see a, a good question here? Right, somebody says to put up Jimmy P. His is talking about some email from E Trade. Something about margin. Mm. Um, it's hard for me. Oh, uh, there we go. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What is this about? Got an email. Got an e email from E Trade saying that margin maintenance requirement for Tesla went to forty percent from sixty percent. Do they know something I don't? Oh, uh, Jeremy, do you want to explain that? Or otherwise, I don't mind. Uh, margin maintenance requirement on, went from forty percent to sixty percent. So basically, Wait, or the other way. No, 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 two forty. It went down. Oh, it went two forty. So now you need less shares. I'm guessing, right? If need, so, basically, you need less money in your account before you get margin call. Just oversimplifying here. Usually, this happens when volatility goes down. Yeah. So, when a stock is very, very volatile, the margin maintenance requirements are very, very high. 
maintenance requirements go down as volatility goes down. It's generally that. Let's go to the next one here. Who's Lord Rudolph has a question about the Fed. Uh, do y'all predict the Fed will step in and regulate crypto? And would it be the Fed or the Treasury Department, especially when it becomes commonly used as a currency? Ooh, he said the C word. What do y'all think? Wow. <laughs> Andre, do you want to take this one? Gosh, I think it's going to take something bad happening for the Fed to step in. I don't think they're going to do anything about it until something really bad happens. And the, the Kevin event, the collapse, the trigger of stable coins. In that case, absolutely. Instantaneously, they'll have some regulations. But for now, I just I just don't feel like they've ever prioritized the crypto markets. Like they've just kind of let, left them alone to our own devices. And I, I, just, I don't see it happening, but I know a lot of people are concerned about it. I know they're talking about them doing it this year, but they've been saying that for the last four or five years now. So uh, unless there's a catalyst, like, I'm, like, like you said, uh, used as a currency, which I don't see anytime soon either, no. at least not Bitcoin, not anytime soon. So if, no. if there's a collapse of a market, then yes, but I, I don't know. Here's even, the thing. Even if, yeah, yeah. go ahead. You, if people are using it as a currency, like Bitcoin is terrible to use as a currency, but let's say you're doing that and you're trying to pay for things in, in Bitcoin. Technically, I mean, you could do that on a smaller scale with cash. You go and buy something with cash. That person keeps the cash. They give someone else the cash. They pay with cash. And that whole thing cycles. I don't know. Right now, I feel like Bitcoin is really treated almost like another stock. People are putting their USD into Bitcoin. They're selling their Bitcoin at some point for a profit. They're going to pay tax on that, converting it back to USD. But it all comes back to USD. So that's the way I kind of see it. Treat it a bit like gold almost. Like it's an asset that people are holding on to. Sure, you could trade things in gold. It's probably not the most efficient. But if you sell it back for current, like USD, you'll pay tax on it. I think, I think as long as they know people are paying tax on it, that's it. There's a there's an interesting question here. Amy Brewer might be one Graham might want to tackle, or or you, Kevin. Something about Dave Ram, you know, her friend's a Dave Ramsey supporter, and says I'm stupid for paying a minimum tax deductible student loans at four percent interest when I make twenty percent in stocks. Would you guys recommend? I would. Uh, yeah, I would. Say, that's a four percent is teeter tottering. If it were me, I would take my time on the four percent. It's tax deductible. Listen, I don't think 20% in stocks, I don't think that's going to continue. I think right. realistically, we're probably you're probably likely to see anywhere from 5 to 8% a year long term in the stock market. So better than 4 tax deductible. So at 4% tax deductible, I would pay off the minimum. I think yeah. once you start getting up at 6 7%, then it starts making sense, okay, pay down the debt instead. I, I always take the guaranteed, even if if it's a low rate of return, but I would rather take a 4% guarantee than a, than a maybe 20%, but also a maybe negative 10%. Who knows? <laughs> but here's the thing, but just here's a 4%. Let's just say after tax deductions, that's 3%. Let's say after inflation, that's 1%. Zero. I think 1% is pretty, yeah. Zero, yeah, after after the 10% inflation, <laughs> you're getting paid. So that's the way I see that. You know, I want to say... Uh, what you should do is pay off the student loans and go buy a house. So you got three different answers here. Go convert that 4% student loan debt into like a 3.35 or whatever, 3.75, whatever, no, whatever. Uh, a 30 year fixed rate loan on some real estate that you probably can't qualify for because you have that student loan debt. Try to get yourself a deal and uh, for, forget about, you know, 
the the four percent on your student loan debt, and if that even if that means liquidating some stocks, leverage up a but, little to uh, to a big deal. But Kevin, when you and Lauren bought that starter home, that was yep. like there was opportunities to be had, and I feel like oh, now people you, you think, you I, think that where people are still they can afford the same kind of opportunities? I don't know. I do. Not uh, everywhere. I, I don't think that's true everywhere across it, the board. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just uh, literally just uh, Friday, we got a signed contract on another one of my little favorite wedge deals, uh, 570 grand. Uh, there's a comp in the neighborhood going for 690 on a worse street in barely remodeled condition. Like it's like a 90s remodel. And uh, yeah, place is probably worth uh, like 700 once, uh, 7, 710 once I fix it up. And the place is like, nine offers wow. on it it's crazy. I, I just i just remember making 70 grand a year um a couple of years it was like five years ago and i remember looking at half a million dollar houses and feeling like that was so out of reach like yeah. five hundred seventy thousand, even for someone making 75k a year is that's a big reach that's not like standard like oh it's a 570k wedge deal like no, yeah you, but, you need a dual income the dual, yeah. dual income for yeah. for this house uh, for example, that we're buying. But the thing is, if you can't afford the real estate, move, move to somewhere where you can afford it. And that's sure. what people are doing across the country. Yeah, Idaho. Hey. That's right. Idaho, we, exactly. We got a Detroit question for the Detroit experts here. I know there's two gentlemen here that are Detroit experts. Somebody <laughs> says, somebody says uh, which, which, where is it at? Oh, I got to find this one, man. Where is that question at? There's too many questions all at once. Um, Oh, there it is. Uh, Girth Brooks says, real estate question. Do you guys think Detroit could ever gentrify with the housing market so cheap or is it a waste? Wait, Can say me. that again. I, I, I can explain yeah. it. Right. I, I, got, I already got the answer. Okay. So yeah. what, what they're asking is, look, Detroit is very scattered uh, and Detroit, because of the auto uh, manufacturing kind of uh, bust from the last recession has been really damaged and you've had certain parts of Detroit just go to basically zero. I mean, where people are abandoning their homes. Graham and I saw that when we were yeah. there. It's it's pretty bad. There are some parts that are very, very rough uh, in that sense because people don't, there's no value to the homes anymore. They're more of a liability than anything. Uh, people burn them down to get some insurance money and they walk away. Nobody ever rebuilds in certain areas. It's, it's very sad. So I think the question they're asking is, is it possible that there's going to be a big investor money coming in to flip and rejuvenate homes and, and make them beautiful again and create neighborhoods again. That's already happening, but it's slowly spreading from the downtown. That's what we noticed when we were there is that you've got this really beautiful downtown Detroit. Uh, and as you slowly kind of uh, expand from certain directions of downtown, like I think uh, if you went a little bit north of downtown uh, towards eight mile, not, not quite there, but towards eight mile, there are certain parts, certain pockets that are so beautiful and they already are gentrifying. So what I learned in Detroit was it's street by street, it's neighborhood by neighborhood. And the answer is it's already happening in some and it ain't even close in others. You got to become an expert in that market. By the way, somebody else, just on the quick note of housing here, somebody else in the comments here is saying, there's zero chance you're getting a house in DC with three and a half percent down. I totally disagree with that. <laughs> now it's going to be a lot harder, but you got to write some beautiful letters, waive some of your inspection contingencies, pay more. You're going to have to pay a little bit more than your competition and, uh, and, and sell yourselves and you'll get in with three and a half percent down. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, actually, I think that's a good point. Like, like Kevin, like, I don't think a lot of people think about that. Um, 
I did a video in, in the private group one night on negotiation. And I don't think people even like get what you just said there. Cause I think some people think it's just like, like there's no wiggle room and in real estate, there's so much room for negotiation. Oh yeah. So I, I think you should just speak on that for another minute. Cause I don't think that that hits a lot of people really. Real estate is the most inefficient market that exists because it's a people business. People are extremely emotional. Uh, and uh, the, even though, even investors who are like, oh, I'm making a rational decision. Uh, even investors, whether they're commercial property buyers, syndicate buyers, they could be some of the most emotional folks ever when it comes to deals. And people get themselves caught up on, on nonsense that they shouldn't. Uh, in the, it, and a really good agent can help any buyer navigate the crap of, of this 3.5% down problem. I mean, I've even seen what some people do, uh, and, and I'm not suggesting that, that this is something that, that should be done. What some, some people do is they go, hey, look, we, maybe they have the 20% down. They borrow the 20% down, and they're like, hey, we're pre-approved with 20% down. They, they pay more. They get their letter or whatever, and they're like, oh, now we're an escrow. Hey, seller, you mind if we uh, we actually do a little less down? No delay, everything the same. You know, this, come on, it's, it's, it's all a game. You got to learn how to play the game and then you get would, would there really ever be a chance where you're up against the cash buyer and they're like, oh, we'll give it to this person because their letter. Yes. Totally. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's fair. That's fair. That's good to know. Oh, yeah. There is hope. <laughs> Uh, right, good tip, by got? the way, Maybe if that ever, more, yeah. I, I just, I'll say really quick, good tip on that is like what, what I like to do with that, man, it's a good secret, but anyway, I'll give it up. What I like to used to do with that is if it was a seller occupied home, I try to get the first appointment because usually they, they make appointments in slots and you want to try to be the first appointment so that, at, and then you're early. So when the sellers are leaving, you have a little opportunity to maybe like do a little quick sneak in the introduce, you know, it's, it's yes. like, there's, there's so much stuff. Okay. Look, I, I got a book of these tricks. Okay. The, the like real, I'm telling you real estate is a game. <laughs> That's actually what happened to me when I bought the place in uh, West LA is I came, I saw, I saw the house uh, during their open house. And then I said, I wanted to see it again when there's no one else inside. And they say, come at 6 PM. We're going to be closing up. I show up at six and then they say, do you mind? The seller's just waiting out. Do you mind if she comes in? Absolutely. Her and I ended up talking for like an hour at the house. She met Macy. We just chatted. I was telling her, you know, I grew up up the street. It's just, it was just a fantastic experience. But she verbally knew she was going to be getting an offer that was like $75,000 higher than mine. She ended up picking mine because we basically wow. just on a handshake deal said, okay, you know, what? I want to buy the house. That's so, congratulations, man! And I, and I closed, so uh, I think everyone won, and she and she's she was fantastic. But yeah, it's very much a people business. Congrats! Uh, what yeah. else? Uh, do you want to pick one more, Jeremy? I think uh, yeah. Let me see if there's something interesting here. Uh, people are asking about Tattoo Chef, but we can't talk about that. I've talked about Tattoo Chef too much. Let's see what else we got here. Um, uh, man. Oh, like I DM'd them too. If you want to mention it really quick. Oh, did you? Uh, what did you send them? Yeah, because there's been. Uh, I, I think there's. I think there are people who are part of both of our programs. So I think there's a lot of crosstalk. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. But I saw uh, somebody post. I think you put on a public YouTube video that you had tweeted them uh, about like wh why there might be a lack of stuff on the shelves or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
So I tweeted them as well. They're actually, they're like really responsive. I tweeted them at 724 yesterday. I'm sorry, uh, Instagrammed. And they replied three minutes later. <laughs> Whoa. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I said. It could be hey, your account is verified, by the way. May, yeah, the, may, maybe. Yeah. Hey, TTCF, uh, when will production ramp so that Sam's can keep you stocked more? Wonder if it's just COVID logistics. Hey, Kevin, our team is working day in and day out on expansion and fulfillment. While we can't directly control the frequency of our partners' restock orders, SKUs selling out is always a good sign in our retail partners, signaling that TTCF is in demand. We appreciate your support. I think that's Bye awesome. Now. Good. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, like, you know, you go to the Target stores, man, they have almost nothing, like almost all of them. It's like completely Target's selling well. I think Target is um, is where your buyer is. Uh, I think that's where, like, I, I don't know if it's at like the, you know, the, the corner Walmart. It's at the Target. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Man, guys, we're having trouble getting uh, good questions. I mean, people are asking questions like, Boba tea business. Do you do you uh, open up a food truck or drive through? Neither. None of us have any clue about that, man. None of us have ran a restaurant in our lives. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, we don't know the first thing about a drive through. Or <laughs> the first thing I could tell you about a drive through is don't do a drive. <laughs> stay away. Just stay away. Food Low margin. Yeah, food truck and then vlog it. That's what I would do. There you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. would you would try to turn into a YouTube channel, uh, Graham. Of course, that would everything work. turns into a YouTube channel. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Think All of right. the popularity you would get too if you vlogged it. If you actually had a popular series where you traveled from city to city in the food truck and you vlogged behind the scenes, I think that would be fantastic. Oh my God! Somebody asked who would get married first, Graham or Andre. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> They're like both of them. No comment. No, just kidding. Yeah, no comment. No comment. No comment. <laughs> Okay, here, here's a good one. Uh, this is probably a good one to end it on. Somebody says, question, uh, house rich and cash poor. What, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stay in. Well, Stay you in. could always re refinance. Right now is a fantastic time to refinance your house. Rates are still unbelievably low. What are they at right now, Kevin? Like three, three, something like that? Low three threes. Yeah, three, three, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Where was it at at the bottom? Two seven was it or two eight? Two eight, I think. Yeah. No, I've seen some where people are getting like two six five. Yeah, oh, but wow. aren't two six five on those? No, that's with uh, that's with just substantial bringing a lot of money to the bank. Oh, like you bring a million dollars to the bank, they give you a reduction. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, that's okay. that's what I was saying. Yeah, but still, two that's relationship on a discounting. Day. Yeah, yeah, relationship right, but still. The fact two six something on a thirty year fixed, that's free. That's free. It's free money. It's, un it's free unbelievable. Money. Unbelievable. Yeah. Get as much as you can. I don't even mind. Honestly, I don't even mind twenty five year debt at at five percent, five and a half percent on real estate. I don't care. Don't care at all. Like I just, I just want more real estate. It's just such. It's safe debt. Give me more margin. Mm. I don't want it anymore. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, Graham, take us away. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So really quick, like I said, you got to subscribe. We are so close to 100,000. And Jeremy, he, he said he was going to go all in on Doge. <laughs> we had 100,000 subscribers. So just do it. That, that's all I want. That, that, that's it. It would mean the world to me. It takes you just a quick second. Just go ahead and subscribe. 
That's it's free. You get to watch us every week for an hour and a half. It's fun. And you get to give Graham a birthday present. That's my birthday present. That's it. Yeah. That's all I want is for you to hit the like button and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Three things. Yeah, we are 6,000 away. Are we? 6,000 away. We, wow. we could literally hit this in 24 hours. If just everyone who watches this, it's just like, okay, Graham, fine. You win. I'll use a birthday <laughs> present. Subscribe. 24 hours. We could be done. And then Jeremy could be all in on Dogecoin. So, <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. I Thanks appreciate for watching, it. You guys. Thank you. Let's see you guys. Right. Peace.